Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. I'll be interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and others that are involved in following their dreams and helping to make our world a better place. So today on the show, we have Esprit Devora. She's known as the girl who gets it done. She runs We Are LA Tech and is launching the Woman in Tech podcast. So welcome to the show, Esprit. Uh, thanks for being on. Thanks for reaching out to me on Twitter, Kevin. We're like super close digital buds that got to meet in person now. I'm yeah. pretty excited. Yeah, and you got me <laughs> writing for TechZulu as well. So I, I owe you beer, maybe, or something? I don't know. <laughs> you owe me Dinner? Nothing. I just love TechZulu. <laughs> we met on Twitter, though, right? Is we that did meet on started? Twitter. Yeah. yeah, totally. I reached and out to you. Was it the We Are LA Tech Twitter, or was it my personal Twitter? It was your personal Twitter, but I, I followed you. I can't remember if it was through Justin Jackson or not. Oh. But but uh, let's just say it was because he's awesome. Yeah, totally. Well, I, you know, I used to work with him, right? Like he Joel. literally, we used to share not a desk, but our desks used to t touch each other and look no at each way. other all day. I yeah. totally didn't know that. Like mm. I, I'm crazy about Justin Jackson. I think he's the coolest. Like he's one of the few people that I think really gets the fine line between being a marketer and being sleazy. Totally. No, I totally agree. He's, he's awesome. I worked with him for, three years two and what? a half something like that yeah he was I'm totally great jealous. i want to work with justin you Jackson should you, you move up to canada and live totally. in kind of in the mountains and buy and like I a huge canada. lake i love awesome. canada that's awesome really have you been where where in canada yeah. have you been new brunswick oh yeah that's a nice area yeah so that's... i'm all a i'm all yeah. about it totally about yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> i want to go to montreal one day oh, that's God. a beautiful city you have to have the poutine if you go there it's so good do you... oh do you know do you know greg eisenberg in canada he's like he uh where he now lives in san francisco he's canadian though and he um uh his company got acquired by stumblepon i believe uh and anyway great guy and he always raves about montreal and makes me jealous because he like gets a place there and stays for like a month and then i just wish i was in his suitcase experiencing all the glory of um canadians <laughs> you should. It's great. Montreal's a great yeah. city. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the opposite side of the country, but yeah, it's awesome. So, cool. cool. So yeah, and like we mentioned, we we actually met in person at your podcasting panel for your Digital LA event. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was totally random, man. I was like so excited to meet you in person. I, I felt like we had all these interactions and then actually to see you in the flesh was pretty, and you had your teammates with you, which was really neat. Yeah, we yeah. were down for a conference at uh, the DribbleCon at the convention center. Yeah. So, or, oh. yeah. That was good. Dude, you're like speaking to my nerdy self. <laughs> like DribbleCon. Like, why didn't I know DribbleCon was going on? I would have totally gone just because it's Dribble. <laughs> Do you use it? I no, because I'm not a designer, but I love it. All right, that's good. That's good. I'm a core nerd and like product developer, so I'm like Dribble. Let me look. No, no, sorry, Drupal. DrupalCon. Oh, Drupal. The CMS. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I I have built so my old sports company was built in Drupal. Oh, okay. So I, I still don't. I never know whether to say Drupal or Drupal, but. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it was built in Drupal, and so, no, but I wouldn't want to go to the Drupal conference. Fair enough. It However, if Dribble has a conference, Dribble, if you're listening, hook me up. They like, might. I totally want to go. They do have a bunch of meetups in a bunch of cities. I know that. My buddy yeah, runs General one in Assembly, town, yeah. so. Yeah, General so, yeah. Assembly had a Dribble meetup, that, and they, like, gave away some 
I don't know. It was like you get to win something or another if, with the coolest design. Triple's rad. Yeah, it is very cool. There's yeah. a lot of really cool stuff on there. Yeah. So cool. So uh, I guess let's talk about kind of where you grew up and, you know, how you kind of got into all this stuff. Whoa. Where do I start? <laughs> uh, well, I, my, uh, I grew up in L.A., born and raised L.A., and now I run We Are L.A. Tech full time, as you mentioned before. And so I'm definitely not the random person getting to L.A. and then trying to do something. I'm, like, actually from here. And I actually grew my startups in L.A. before there was any L.A. tech scene. So I'm through and through L.A. Veteran. So combating with that, yeah. Um, it all started, like, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur when I was, like, four years old. And I'd walk into Westwood Village with my father and see empty office buildings and daydream about what businesses I would put in them and my dad was an early adopter with like the first cell phone and the first this and the first that and and I I didn't know what an early adopter was at the time of course but now looking back I'm like oh and uh yeah I used to use Prodigy and I uh all the chat rooms I'm sure that I'm not a programmer but I'm sure I totally could have become one super easy if you just put the right thing in front of me sure you know but I ended up going kind of like the product development route and uh and then um, as the years went on, I uh, built one of the first action sports social networks. So like skateboarding, motocross, actually probably was the first, but it got hacked by who knows. And, um, and that took a while to revive that uh, for, to be able to remedy the hack. And once the hack was remedied, MySpace had like blown up and taken over. And so one of my advisors said, you have to be like the CNN of action sports. And I'm like, okay. And so I decided to merge like with the social network, I wanted to merge my two loves, which was action sports and travel. I mean, action sports, uh, travel and, um, and just nerdy things, technology, you know? Sure. And so I was like, oh, let me create this website to connect people. How novel and cool, you know? <laughs> and who knew it was the future? And, uh, and then so when my site was hacked and it was remedied, then uh, by that time, MySpace blew up. And uh, we, uh, this advisor said, you know, be all things video for action sports. So I created an action sports media company shooting a video of top athletes like Tony Hawk and Sean White and Ryan Sheckler, like, skateboarders and motocross and um it was just like amazing it was absolutely amazing we would travel everywhere shooting um all these action sports athletes and i had one of the first action sports youtube channels and the list goes on but it's kind of like yeah action sports travel technology so early what adopter <laughs> what year was this the early 2000s Oh, I don't even know anymore. No. I have no concept of time. <laughs> I have no concept of time whatsoever. I don't even know what day it is today. That's funny. Yeah, because, well, I was curious because I was down, I was spent the summer in LA in 2004. I was there for like yeah. five, six months. And I was yeah. just wondering just if you were recording at something I checked out at, at that point in time, but maybe You know, maybe I don't not. know. I'd have to look up my old yeah. files. <laughs> I have no idea. But, um,. But no, in 2004, we were still social network. We weren't oh, okay. recording then. No, because because MySpace was launched in 2004. So yeah, we were we were either hacked or still a social network at that time. Right, right. Yeah. So um, why didn't you come say hi to me in LA in 2004? We could have been friends longer. Yeah, we should have been. I don't but know. But you know was... what didn't exist? Twitter. That's true. Twitter did not exist. And, and I remember it was MySpace was becoming popular. And what was it? Friend, Friendster? Friendster. Was it? Yeah, yeah. That you know was... how that happens? Like Friendster had a server problem and uh, they were shut down, like just traffic problem or whatever. 
And so that, that's when MySpace launched and took advantage of them having server troubles and everybody went over to MySpace because it was more stable. Yeah, that's funny. I do remember that. That was a long time ago. Yeah, interesting. Super long ago, yeah. So, no, I'm so I'm I'm curious then. So, I guess that your action sports kind of social network got you kind of interested in also doing journalism and, you know, being a speaker and a panel moderator and, you know, oh, your podcasting so and like how did you kind of transition from, you know, the action sports thing into, you know, more of a tech kind of thing? I get that you were doing some so, tech stuff, but so it's actually vice versa. So I was into tech and journalism. I was a journalist like all through. I actually started a school newspaper, a school magazine in junior high school. And then I was an editor for the feature section of my high school paper. And then I ran my uh, journalism program at my high school. Oh, wow. And so, and yeah, so like I was a journalist and early tech adopter first. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I built the, and, and, you know, I was kind of a tomboy. My dad would take me to like motocross events and stuff like that. So I was like, then it was just about like, I didn't think of myself as a startup or business. I mean, I don't even think I knew this terminology back then. I just like, oh, I think action sports were awesome. And at that time it was extreme sports. So I was like, I think like extreme sports are awesome. And I love the computer. Like how my dad would always like, he, my dad was like so cool and being supportive of the technology because like I he would buy me like ThinkPad um, uh, laptops, yeah, which yeah, was like yeah. a really big deal back then, like the IBM ThinkPad. Totally, everybody had and, them, right? So like, well, no, like not everybody. Like it was like really cool, but yeah, they didn't. Not everybody had a Mac like they did. Sure, then. yeah, fair. I think to have a laptop at all was like kind of a big deal back then. You yeah, know? that's true. And so. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of exposed to this stuff and then eventually started, I mean, I started companies before my sports company. I started a scuba diving e-commerce shop, which I call my starter company. Okay. But, um, but like I just went through all these uh, life experiences and in that time, what happened was is because I did social media stuff, like a term that makes me want to gag, like <laughs> before the term social media existed when this thing social media came out i was naturally like a leader in social media or like people perceived me to be that way sure because i'd already been doing it for my video company you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, it yeah. wasn't like on purpose yeah and so then i got asked to speak on social media at all these different events and stuff and i had read um Tim Ferriss's book before uh, he was well known, which was random because I was outsourcing like way before that was a thing as well. Like I found my first outsourcing team on Elance. Right. And so like that's around the time I had discovered Tim Ferriss after I'd started outsourcing. I was like, oh, let me get better at this thing that I'm doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And he, I think, had talked about like speaking or something like that. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to like train myself to, you know, know how to do this so I actually took a gig with um like a teaching company and I would give these like mini seminars uh, with media bistro and I would give these many mini seminars for like years on social media's business strategy and so for me that was like my practice ground to become a great speaker and my mom is actually one of the best speakers in the world she's been on David Letterman and stuff like that oh wow so it's like so, like, I had a lot to live up to because if my mom is amazing. So I'm like, okay, if my mom's amazing, I can't be, like, one of these, like, fly-by-night speakers. I have to be, like, really create an impact, you know? No, totally. So, Pressure's um, on. Yeah, so, um, and I'm sure it helps, like, growing up with her and seeing her be a dynamic speaker. So, yeah. but you have to practice. Like, I mean, you can't just be something. You have to, like, 
hone your your skills so I did that with media bistro and then um and then eventually like other people started contracting me to speak at their events and um then I started and at the same time I was moderating panels but what I found was I'm really okay this is why like I don't believe in like social media gurus and all this kind of stuff like I just don't think the world needs another social media expert and like I like to create value where value is needed right sure so, totally agree like, like even though um I wouldn't say it, like even though like people seem to have a really positive experience over like when I give a keynote or something like that I just don't think another keynote speaker is needed in the world we have like amazing amazing speakers like you see them on TED talks all the time right mm -hmm. however I think there are not enough panel moderators who care about moderating a panel effectively like I actually think that's a really important need and it's been an incredibly rewarding experience to have people come up to me like way after my panel like months years later and say you know that panel you did way back when like that taught me so much that changed my life and I'm like what like a panel moderator changed, really? you know what I mean so, so yeah what do you think makes a good panel moderator then I'm, I'm oh curious first of all caring like caring <laughs> Most people moderate panels because they want to attract clients. Most people are on panels because they want to attract clients because they're just trying to like make a quick buck. Sure. Like I'm not on a panel to uh, do any of that. I'm on a panel because I see the 18 year old version of myself sitting in the audience and I want to be there for that girl. I want to make sure she has everything she possibly needs to get to where she wants to go because she is hustling and hustling hard and risking everything to achieve a dream and I'm not going to let her down. So like that's who I see and that means everybody on the panel is accountable to me and if a speaker want, uh, is like not really caring on a panel, they're not going to be on my panel because that's not tolerated, not accepted. Like the only people allowed on my panel are people who want to give actionable insights to the audience. They're speaking to the audience, not for their own egos. And like that those people could walk away and that afternoon implement the lessons they've learned. And that's the only way you can be on one of my panels. And I have a pre-call with the panelists and I make sure they know. So, and if they're trying to pull any of the shenanigans during the panel, I have no problem calling them out. I don't have a problem with confrontation, but I do it in a way where no one's embarrassed or like I do it in a fluid way. I mean, you've seen me on a panel, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't seem like an, but like. No, you, you um, were yeah. awesome. You know how many notes I took dur during that panel that I saw you guys awesome, on? Oh, it was awesome. It was insane how many, yeah. like a lot, so much of that stuff helped with actually doing this show. Yeah. So yeah, like tools and tips and awesome. you know, um, yeah, awesome. it was awesome. It was exactly. totally worth it. Yeah, I mean, people's times are valuable. And now in a day and age where we have so many options, the last thing I wanna do is waste your time or waste my time. So that's why I make sure that whatever I'm involved with, I'm consistently creating value that where value is actually needed, where there's a pain point being addressed, not just because like I'm like existing. I don't know, I can't even imagine that. You know, yeah. that's just crazy to me. Well, and I think people know whether people are up there being kind of fake and trying to recruit business or you you legitimately care about, you know, what you're talking about, the people that are on the panel and, you know, the people asking questions and whatnot. People can tell, right. you know, right. really quick. Totally. So how do you, if somebody wanted to kind of, you know, mod become a panel moderator, is there a kind of a way to get into it? You just kind of ask, do you set up your own panels, you know? Um, that's so funny. So no one's ever asked me that question. So I just became a panel moderator. I get asked all the time, you know, but um, I think if someone wanted, 
I mean, there's so many opportunities. Well, one, I think you have, it's extremely difficult to moderate a panel. So, uh, sorry, it's extremely difficult to moderate a panel well. Like, it's really easy to have a junk panel because they're just existing and the moderator is typically like silent and they don't say nothing at all or they like, yes, you, you know, they don't do, they don't contribute anything to the panel. If you want to have a panel that's actually worth someone's time, like, you're guiding a conversation. You're using a journalism background. You're understanding when to stop someone, when someone's talking too long. You consistently have the audience in mind. You're, um, I mean, moderating a panel, like, you know, uh, as we've talked about, I, I have the We Are Late Tech podcast, and my podcast is number two, was number two in the country on New Noteworthy, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, all I, part of, I think, what contributed to that is that, like, I view having a podcast as scaling, moderating a panel. Like, I am so passionate about moderating a panel that I'm like, oh, podcasting. I could reach people outside of just a physical room, right? It's sure. awesome. No. So, like, when we're on a podcast, like, I'm constantly thinking about the audience, like, making sure this is important. When I'm editing a podcast episode, I'm, like, I'm editing it for the person listening. I'm not just, like... I'm not just putting out anything because if it's too long, if there's too many ums and ahs, if like if there's a boring part, if there's something that's been repeated, like I want to take all that out because I value someone's time, you know? Sure. And so like in moderating a panel, it's thinking about the audience the whole time through. So let's say you get the tangent person or the ego person that's just talking and talking and talking because they like to hear their own voice. You have to delicately, but in an abrupt way, but delicately, it's a very, very fine talent, cut them off. Like, it is not okay to monopolize, you know, because you have other people on the panel and you want to make sure the value is getting addressed. And if the theme of the panel, if those answers aren't being provided, then you have to grill in to make sure that the panelists are providing the answers. And I like to be very interactive with the audience and I want to find out what, why they're there, what inspired them to be there, what questions they want answered. And then at the end, I want to make sure I'm accessible so that if they didn't get something answered or they were too shy to ask, that they could reach out afterward and I could get those answers from the other panelists for them. It's about the success of an audience. It's not about someone's ego. And that's the main thing to remember in moderating a panel. Interesting. Yeah, I never, I never really thought of it like that. But it, it does make a lot of sense. And I'm curious, do you get a lot of people reaching out to you after and say, you know, I saw you moderate this panel. You know, my question didn't get answered. I was too scared to ask. Do you actually get a lot of that? Um, I wouldn't say it's a lot. And I don't think I've ever gotten too scared to ask because I don't think they would feel like I think that takes a lot of um, guts to even share that. And so, you know, like sure. so I wouldn't know. But yeah, I have at times like, hey, I didn't get this. But no, normally I'm really I'm really good at getting all the questions answered, like really, really good at it. Sure. So because I grill them, I'm like anything else, anything else, anything else until I don't see any more hands raised. Sure. So um, so they're not as often as you'd think, but I do get them. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. So you you mentioned the We Are LA podcast. So kind of maybe let's step back a little bit. Like, how did you get into podcasting, and kind of why did you want to get into podcasting? And then you know, let's transition to kind of you know what what we are la tech podcast is and sure so the the we are la tech podcast is the first podcast focused on la startups and um and it, it's the only podcast still that <laughs> focused on la startups and uh yeah it's awesome i got into podcasting because in 2012 i created a video series 
um, called We Are LA Tech for interviewing at LA Startups because I had missed creating that video content with my sports company. Right. And unfortunately, um, the 12 episodes we shot weren't able to get edited and it broke my heart. It just totally broke my heart. So when I discovered the world of podcasting, thanks to my friend Mark, who uh, is the founder of Betalist, um, Mark is super into podcasts. So, uh, and Mark lives in Europe and I went backpacking through Europe and I got back from Europe and I wanted to stay in touch with my friends in Europe. So I decided to get an iPhone, which I didn't have before. I had an Android. Okay. Yeah. So I decided to get an iPhone so I could FaceTime. But what I also, Mark ended up sending me all these podcasts. I'm like, oh, these are awesome. Right. And I became this avid podcast listener. And then I, and then I, when I learned more about the world of podcasting, I realized that I could do it all myself. Like I would never, ever have to rely on a video editor again. Sure. With podcasting, I could host, I could produce, I could schedule, and I could edit all by myself and all with affordable, well, I didn't know this at the time, but this is what I sought out to discover, all with affordable tools, right? Sure. So, um, so then I was like, wow, podcasting involves so many of my favorite things, involves like moderating a panel, involves connecting people, et cetera, so forth. So I just decided to like give it a go and obviously it's working out. <laughs> no, sure. But, I, um, yeah. I think that's part of the problem with a lot of people is they just don't have the courage to just go for it one day. Who cares okay. if you fail, right? Most people don't remember the failures. Well, it's not about, okay, no. It's not about who cares if, okay, that's so American. You're supposed to be Canadian, man, not American. <laughs> Like it's not who cares. Failing sucks. It oh, is sure it does. It's emotional and trust me, every last thing I failed at I care about. Like it hurts. But the thing is, like, you'll never discover what's possible if you don't move forward. So oh, I totally. promised myself when I started the podcast, no matter what, whether I knew what to do or didn't know what to do, I would take a step forward every day. And I, I made a promise to myself and I was scared because like I have failed before and I and I'm scared of failing. And so what I do is I just don't let that fear control me. I'm like, hi, scared. I see you. Cool. You could hang out over there. I'm going to do my thing over here. That's interesting. And then yeah, I but... like keep moving forward. So I'm scared all the time. Like I'm scared that things aren't going to work out. And like all the time, every day. One of my friends called me the other day and um, said something like, oh, it's good, though, that you're doing everything safely or something because he's taking, like, he was thinking about taking some risk in his life. And so he was, I was like, what do you mean I'm doing everything safely? He was like, oh, well, you're fine because you wouldn't be doing all this stuff if you weren't fine. I was like, fine. I was like, I'm risking it all again. Like, there's no fine. Like, <laughs> like I'm risking it all to make shit happen. Like, whether it works out or not, I have no idea. He's like, well, what do you do if you don't work out? It doesn't work out. I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to I'll deal with that if that ever comes, you know? Like, no, totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. no, that's cool. So, um, what exactly are you, so you're covering startups in LA and right. you're interviewing them. And I know that you're working on a women in tech podcast. Right. Sorry. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. When is that launching? I'm curious. So it's launching sooner than later. However, the thing that I want to do different from the Women in Tech podcast versus the We Are LA Tech podcast is I want to have sponsors before we go live because I want to integrate the sponsors into the episodes. Right. So um, so I actually have been having uh, meetings with different brands that potentially want to sponsor the podcast. And then once uh, that deal closes, I'm looking for like a premier sponsor. And so once that deal closes, then they will go live. But you've, you've recorded a bunch of shows, correct? No, well, I've scheduled. Like, so all the amazing women in tech, I've scheduled, uh, like, tentative dates to do the interviews with them. And then I'll record them uh, when uh, everything else closes. And I'm assuming they're all across 
America, yeah, North America, the world? They're everywhere, yeah. It, they could be anywhere in the world. They just have to be engaging to listen to and uh, communicate English well because, I mean, it is, like, primarily an English-speaking audience that's listening. Sure. And, um, you know, things like of that nature. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. So this, I think this is a super important topic. The, yeah. The, there is a, such a shortage of, you know, just women in the industry. And I think... In a lot of cases, well, the funny thing is what the first programmer ever was a woman. So you I know, didn't know that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's it's crazy. And in theory, according to, uh, I don't know, some study that I read years ago that a pro, I think like a lot of women have better programmer minds than a lot of guys do. So just, you know, a lot of guys have kind of driven, you know, women out of the industry a little bit, right? Just through, you know, you know the reasons, but, and it's sad. And I think there's like what you're doing in that podcast is super important. And I know, you know, there's other organizations that are like ladies learning to code that right. is big up here. And I think it's like a global thing now where, totally. you know, they're teaching, you know, girls how to code. And, you know, I've volunteered at uh, a couple before in town here and, you know, it's awesome to see, you know, people coming into the industry, right? There's totally, but I don't feel the same. So you're saying guys have driven women out and stuff. I mean, I think everybody has a different life experience. Um, for me personally, in my own journey, I've never felt held back. Um, I think well, the that's main, good. I think the main, and I've never felt a guy, if anything, I felt a lot of guys have been my allies. Um, and I think it's been an advantage that I've been a woman in tech because I'm kind of like a novelty sure. right now. So uh, I see a ton of positive for being a female in tech. However, I think the one thing that is um, the, and this is what inspired me to create the Women in Tech podcast is um, that you know, like the four minute mile, the first time that someone uh, ran the four, nobody ran it, and then the first time someone ran it, then a ton of other people ran it in the same year. Mm-hmm. I think it's that concept. I think it's all about believing what's possible and believing we can, and then it changes our whole mindset. So before someone ran the four minute mile, people didn't believe it was possible. Once someone ran the four-minute mile, then it became possible and other people's brains, uh, mindset shifted, and then they were able to accomplish the same thing physically. So my Women in Tech podcast is, uh, the goal of it is, and the theme is, to share stories from women founders, women engineers, women investors, uh, female journalists, all in tech, of who was their mentor, where, uh, like, uh, what, how did they learn, uh, how, you know, how to be in the technical space, um, uh, like what were their jobs, uh, when did they realize they were passionate about technology, and, and keep them really short interviews. And so females, girl, women, it doesn't matter what age, can see what's possible. Like they have this like tangent thing, oh, if she can do it, so can I. And then I think that will be a positive shift for the people that are just kind of like holding back because may, they maybe they're nervous, you know? Totally. But, um, but I, I think it's not so much that like, uh, I don't feel oppressed. I just think it's a belief issue. And I, that could go for both men and women of just not believing something's possible, right? No, totally. Yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. And, I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing it. I'm really interested in you know, checking it out when it's out. Do you have a rough timeline or you don't know yet? 
I mean, really, it's just like yesterday. Okay. So it's a daily podcast, excluding weekends. So that's a a crazy amount of content. But I wanted to feature as many women as possible. And uh, like with the We Are LA Tech podcast, the way I produce it, I'm not able to feature every single startup I'd love to feature. So I purposely wanted to produce women in tech in a different way. Um, And... um, and so, and then, yeah, producing the content, et cetera, so forth. Like, so I don't know. Uh, it all, that's why the sponsorship is so important because it takes so much production in order to get it out that I don't know, like, what date will make sense, but sooner than later. Sure. Yeah. Okay. It's all when the contracts and deals are signed. So, so how? And I will only work with a sponsor that I uh, personally feel really passionate about. Right. So that limits, you know, it can only be companies, one that I care about authentically and can afford to be a premier sponsor and uh have an interest in tech and have an interest in women in tech that's a lot it's you know right, so right. really narrow it in so, so are you reaching out to those sponsors or they're kind of contacting you or a little bit of both it's been a little bit of both okay. like one the one i'm meeting with tomorrow who i think is going to end up being the, the sponsor actually uh i met them like at silicon beach fest i was like walking around and i actually the way I met them is so funny. I'm I have the We Are LA Tech Experience Club, mm-hmm. which is um, where LA startup entrepreneurs and people who work in LA startups do offline activities together, and it, it's exclusive to the We Are LA Tech Experience Club. Anyway, we're doing this bonfire, or I'm preparing to do this bonfire activity, and so I want these different games and activities at the bonfire. Okay. And so it's at Silicon Beach Fest, which is a conference in LA with like people in tech and stuff like that right yeah Ephraim puts that on right and his friend uh, is that right uh, no Kevin Winston puts it on from Digital LA oh okay but Tech Zulu is a media sponsor right that's it okay so uh so um at the at Silicon Beach Fest there was this company and they had the games where you throw the beanbag into the thing and they had these other games I was like oh man do you think I could borrow them for the bonfire (laughs) <laughs> and uh, they're like, yeah, totally, no worries. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I have the, you know, We Are LA Tech podcast and the Women in Tech podcast. They're like, oh, tell us about the Women in Tech podcast, you know? So it was like this thing that all started with the bonfire, me just wanting this game for the bonfire. <laughs> That's awesome. I love stories like that, how you just kind of randomly meet people that work out, right? You have tons of projects on the go. Um, what's your kind of... Well, no, si- not tons of projects. So I do We Are LA Tech full-time. Sure. And so everything is We Are LA Tech related. So Women in Tech is a We Are LA Tech production. So oh, there's okay. nothing that I do that's not We Are LA Tech. Like the mobile app that we built is the We Are LA Tech mobile app. The private chat group is the We Are LA Tech chat group. Everything is We Are LA Tech. Right, right. Okay. No, that yeah. makes sense. And, and then you and I know each other because of my blog, which is not We Are LA Tech, but my blog is like Save Business Time. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, but that's like my blog. Like a blog is a blog. Sure. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. And then yeah. you promote, you know, your your different things there. So the other thing that I think we should mention with uh, We Are LA Tech is y- you promote tons of events that are happening that are related to you and not related to you. Yeah. So We Are LA Tech. So the way We Are LA Tech started, as I mentioned, in 2012, we had the video series. And because it was taking uh, a long time editing the episodes, which ended up never getting edited. Do you oh, still have I- them? Sigh. Yes, and I still want to get them edited. That's a whole other story. I, I'm like dying to still have these. I don't care if even the startups don't exist anymore. I don't want that to go for nothing. Like I promise these people something and I want to deliver. But sure. aside that, so I created the calendar at the time and LA was not like how it is today with like an event happening every, like 
five events happening every night. So I created the calendar to keep up the momentum while I waited for the videos to be edited, you know? Sure. And, um, and then I just maintained the calendar as a community service over the years. And uh, on the website, wearelaytech.com. And then um, one day, like, I was talking to uh, one of my friends who uh, really believes in, in We Are LA Tech and, you know, what I'm doing here. And this is, I guess this is when I started kind of, like, so 2012, it was just, like, a community service, and then I did my own thing. And then I started the podcast, and so now I had the podcast and this calendar. So it started to become a thing, right? right. So then um, – my friend believed in it, and he, and then out of nowhere, he just built the We Are Light Tech mobile app. It was amazing. And so now with the mobile app, you could add any event, any LA startup event happening in one swipe onto your personal calendar on your phone. And we built it for both iPhone and Android using Ionic. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I've used Ionic. It, it's quite it's awesome, amazing, actually. It's amazing, right? Yeah. So um, the iPhone one is in private beta, and it's going to be public soon. And then after, we'll release the Android one. Um, and then, um, yeah, so it's just like, you know, it's kind of like everything coming together, but it's all a part of, uh, of We Are LA Tech. Oh, no, that's awesome. So yeah. do, you, do you know roughly when that'll be out? The mobile app? Yeah. Um, I think, I don't know, like I'm hoping it's out like yesterday. I know the developer wants it. It's Ira Herman. He's amazing. Check him out on Twitter, at Ira Herman, I-R-A-H-E-R-M-A-N. Um, but yeah, it's we both want it out like yesterday. So I think it'll probably be out anywhere from a week to three weeks. We have to like wait for the Apple approval and stuff like that. Yeah, that, that can take a couple of weeks. I'll post the note or the links in the show notes too. So oh, that'd be great. Yeah, Thank so and I'll post all your links. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'm curious then, how did you get writing for TechZulu? So that was totally random. Actually, I mean, funny for me story. So I had my action sports company. I um, was a journalist already all through growing up. and But nobody knows that about me, really, right? Like, it's just kind of this random thing. And so um, I had uh, hired Efren to shoot uh, uh, one of my panels for my sports company. I produced a panel at my sports company. And um, so I hired Efren, who owns TechZulu, to, to shoot it for us. And uh, we formed this relationship. Um, and then I went, I think, to Blog World or something. And F one of Efren's journalists couldn't make it. So he asked if I would write something on Blog World or something like that. I can't remember what conference it was. I'm pretty sure it was Blog World. And I'm like, yeah, sure, no worries. And so I, I come back and I turn in this thing to him. He's like, whoa, you really know how to write. I'm like, yeah, I actually have a background as a journalist. <laughs> He's like, I had no idea. And and so he's like, will you write for TechZulu? I'm like, wow, what a huge compliment. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. I was like, but only under one condition. He's like, what's that? I was like, that I could just write when I feel inspired to write, that I'm not like contracted to write and have to, because I, I write when I'm like, I write from like the heart and like, I don't know, it just, I don't want to be like in some confined box writing, you know? And he's like, yep, yeah, totally cool. And so my whole um, career has been, you know, doing whatever I do, like I do We Are LA Tech full time or whatever I've done in the past. Um, and, and then I do Tech Zulu like on the side. I call it my after hours thing. And it's always been whatever like X is plus Tech Zulu. Like I'm sure. so proud to be part of the Tech Zulu team. I moderate a ton of panels for Tech Zulu. Like uh, I've helped produce some of the Tech Zulu tech crawls where we go from startup to startup. It's like a beer crawl, but startups in LA. Like, I love TechZulu, I love Efren, I love everything they stand for. No, that's awesome. It's it's interesting that you, you say that, because I'm kind of the same way when I write stuff for them, too. It's 
I usually find I need to be a little bit tired and I usually write on my Nexus 7. I don't actually write on a laptop, which is weird. Oh, cute. I but, love it. I have a Nexus 7. Yeah, I don't know why. I just, I find like I can't write on a laptop very well. Like I, I did a book last year for a publisher out of the UK. Yeah. And I wrote most of it on the computer. Actually, I, I wrote it most of I to ask you a question. What's the sure. keyboard you use for the Nexus 7? Oh, I just... I use a touch like the touchscreen keyboard, Shut which is yeah, mouth. I know, no, totally. No. It, that's what I mean. You're it's crazy. it's insane because it doesn't make any logical sense, no, and it takes. None. I think partly what what it is is before I type out a sentence because it's such an issue to edit it, and it takes so long that before I type it out, I want it to be perfect, and so <laughs> like I don't really edit the content after that much. That's amazing. But yeah, I write it all on that. So, That's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't know why it makes – I every time I tell people that, they're just like, there's no way you write that stuff on that. I'm yeah. like, yeah. Mo-. And then I, I usually edit it quickly a little bit, I guess, on the computer, usually a Chromebook. I don't really – like I have a Mac and everything, but, you know, for the most part, I just yeah. use the Nexus 7 and the Chromebook to, to do my writing. It's weird. I don't know what That's it is. That's crazy. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm curious, though, what advice would you give to kind of people that are up and coming and – you know, want to do a podcast or moderate a panel or just kind of do their own thing. You know, you're you're involved totally. in all this stuff, right? And you know, totally. I would. Um. I. I mean, number one, I. I think what is uh, pitched and promoted out there of this, like, you know, drinking a margarita on the beach kind of life, is not like something that happens overnight. And sometimes it doesn't happen at all. And it's just a lot of hard work. Like I work a lot. Sure. Like a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody has a different story, but I would say, well, the two things I say in all my talks, I say two things, is create your own journey, like it's your own storyline. And then I say your intuition is your oracle. But putting those two things aside is just knowing the reality that it doesn't happen, like it's not some quick fix and you wanna work on things it, you feel really passionate about. That like, what, for instance, I've had the LA Podcasters Meetup since for it's going to be a year uh, next month which is really exciting totally but i purposely did the la podcasters meetup because i love podcasting and i purposely did it like a few blocks from my house because if no one showed up on a taco tuesday if no one showed up at least i could have taco tuesday dinner at a cool place and it's not totally out of my way right and i don't do it because I'm hoping for some big numbers or I'm hoping for sponsorship or anything. I do it just because like, I love it. Like I love podcasting Sure. and I show up every month, no matter how busy I am every month, I create it. I've never missed uh, a, a month. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. now I'm not saying that there shouldn't be like a return um, financially because we all have bills to pay and this stuff. And I do believe in building a sustainable lifestyle, but like what I'm saying is first find that thing you're really into. So like, because like I'm super into podcasting and I consider myself a full-time podcaster. Mm-hmm. And then I look for all the different, like I experiment, I use experimentation often. So we get really stuck when we try to be perfect and we don't move ahead at all. But if we just let every day be an experiment, we could see what works and see what doesn't work. And then we don't have to worry about it because we'll just know what works, you know? Totally. And then if a hundred things don't work, a hundred things didn't work and then try maybe a hundred and one will, you know, it's, taking that time to experiment, experiment in different ways, seeing what's right for your industry, working on things that you feel really passionate about and really being a part and thriving in that journey rather than trying to like have that margarita on the beach. Because like, 
I mean, I'm reading the book Remote Office Not Required right now right. by, you know, Jason Free, the guys who created 37 Signals and Basecamp. Yep. And it's all about creating your dream life currently, like not waiting to be retired, but like how do you integrate your dream life into your current life? So you, it's really about like seeing the world in a different way and creating your own rules and trying to find a way to make your life um, work for you in, in a way that feels natural for you. So like I don't, even in getting into podcasting, a lot of people want to get into podcasting, get these like ridiculously expensive courses, like five grand, 10 grand and all this mic really? purchases. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I was like, I'm going to learn. I've had a media company. I'm just, I, I've already learned the hard way that like spending a ton of cash does not bring you like the ROI. So I'm just going to watch it a crazy amount of YouTube videos and like just figure it out and see what's right for me and that's how like I discovered the mics that work right for what I'm doing sure. and when you follow someone else's script it really limits your ability to, to innovate and I want to innovate through and through and find the pathway that worked best for me I mean I'm not saying not to follow other people or to like pay attention to what they're doing or to learn from seasoned people but I'm saying at the end of the day it's about creating your own story your own journey and if you decide that nothing anyone else says works for you then that's fine like perfect example Apple when they when they featured uh, the podcast and when it hit number two they said we highly suggest you make we are LA tech we space our space LA space tech right mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, no, doesn't look right to me. So I left it, like, without the spaces. So it's we are LA Tech, one word, right? Mm -hmm. But what I did do is then I added we are LA Tech with spaces in other areas. So if people were searching on Google, that would come up too. Right. No, that totally makes you know? sense. Yeah, it's kind of like figuring out your own path and not really, right. you know, what you don't bend, right, to what right. somebody tells you if you feel it's wrong, right? I've always right. kind of followed my... Right, and that's what I'm my, saying. Your, yeah. your intuition is your oracle. Is that yeah. what you were about to say? No, it, that yeah. totally makes sense because I've always followed my heart with any of the yeah. stuff I've ever done career-wise. Yeah. And, you know, it, it seems to just work itself out. And, you know, you're right. Some days things go sideways and sometimes you need to pick yourself up and say, okay, let's try something different. But totally. I think that's the key, right? You talk to anybody that is successful. They just decide to go for it one day. And any, every time they hit like a roadblock, they just figure out how to go around it or go a different way. Right. Yeah. Totally, constantly. Like, come on now. Like, do I know if the women in tech podcast will work or get sponsors or blah, 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 blah. I don't know anything. I'm just taking steps forward every single day, doing the best that I can and following my intuition. Sure. No, yeah. that's awesome. That's great advice, actually. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate the props. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So I will uh, let you go. This has been awesome. And I will post, you know, your website and your Twitter and We Are LA Tech and your Women in Tech podcast and a bunch of other links in the, the yeah. show notes online. And you know what? If you guys listening have questions, like, totally feel free to tweet at me, at Esprit Devora. Like, I'm so, so, like happy to be a support in your life so you don't have to like you know try to make your way through the murky waters like just add Esprit Devora on Twitter and I'll happily write you back and and to be fair you wrote back to me so <laughs> that's how I, you hooked yeah. me up with you know the tech Zulu stuff and Yay. you know and you know just coming to the podcast panel I would have never made it to the podcast panel if I didn't reach out to you on Twitter when we were coming to LA a few months ago yeah, so you know crazy the way things work this yeah. is see do you see what i mean about contributing in life in a valuable way so people's lives can actually be impacted rather than just simply existing no i totally so agree cool. I, i've so connected cool. so many people like my buddy and i do a, a beer night meetup just with a bunch of web nerds and we just basically yes. go to 
you know, a local pub and we basically, there's no presentations, there's no nothing. And it takes literally all of five minutes a month to plan this thing. And we basically just book a venue. It's usually the same venue or, you know, we switch maybe a couple times a year. Yeah. And we basically just have a Facebook group and we just send out the notice there. You know, we promote it a little bit on Twitter and we get anywhere from, I would say, eight to 30 people in a month. And we just talk about, you know, sometimes it's shop talk, sometimes it's just about anything. And right. that's been so awesome. Like so many people have met that like I've gotten them jobs or they've gotten jobs because they met somebody there or, you know, you've become friends with these people. And it's not really necessarily like I don't make any money off of it, but I've grown so much and I've met so many local people and it's just been awesome. Right. Totally. Totally. And, and so it doesn't always have to be financially beneficial. I think just networking and getting out there and talking to other people that are, you know, doing things right. And yeah. it's been awesome. So no, it doesn't always have to be financially beneficial, but I mean, in order to do what you love full time, it needs to sustain you. Right. So for sure, for I sure. think, I think to like approach people with trying to like get something back right away is a terrible approach. I think you should approach people from a way of like, what can you give? What can you offer and establish that relationship? But then like in general in your life, in your life, know systematically, like where is it that you make your, your money? Like what is the product that you're selling? And so that way, like, and, and do you have the right product market fit so that people like are quick to want to purchase your product because it solves a pain point for them and to know what that thing is in your life amidst like all the connectivity and events and all this stuff is really important because if you don't even know what you sell and what the pain point is that you're addressing, then how are you ever going to make money on anything? No, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's great. Well, I think we'll end it there, but thanks for very much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And uh, I think we should probably do another one once, you know, your women in tech is kind of rocking and up and going. I would love it. That would be be so rad, dude. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Well, uh, you have a good one and uh, we'll talk later. Definitely. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for listening. If you're going to be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, February 16th and 17th at the Startup Expo, and want to meet up and record a show, reach out to me at buildingthefutureshow.com or on Twitter at Building Show. The music for the show is provided by Electric Mantra. Check them out at electricmantra.com. Until next week.